Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Can you connect to that? What? It's just been very organised, is it? Already, haven't you? No, I think you took me off my fact. Don't you bloody blame me? Look, not even connected. You obviously were so tight that you thought I'm not sharing this. Fuck off. Actually, it's it's more this one I want. Right, okay. I've no idea. Sorry about this, Lorraine. To kick off 2024 on the How To Be 60 podcast, we are joined by a woman who has been a constant on our TV screens for 40 years. It is Lorraine Kelly with a little bit of Peter Pan thrown in. And I do genuinely still feel as young and daft and all the rest of it as I ever did. I am still waiting to grow up. I really am. You know, I mean, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up and I'm still hoping and praying that that might happen one day. And I'm wondering how to be 60 It's scaring the shit out of me Welcome to the very first How To Be 60 podcast of 2024 with me, Kay Adams, and she, Karen McKenzie. We have survived another year. Woohoo! It's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is quite incredible. It is. And we're still here. Nothing is guaranteed at our still age. Still talking. So we have to be grateful. Um, although I am being a bit premature here because full disclosure, full disclosure, we're actually recording this episode at the tail end of 2023 <laughs> because our very special guest is Lorraine Kelly. Uh-huh. And as fellow Scots, we know that on the 5th of January, she might still be a wee bit under the weather after Hogmanay. <laughs> Um, she'll no doubt be totally hoarse from singing the Weacock Sparrow and Campbellton Loch, I wish you were whiskey. Nobody who's not Scottish will have a effing clue what I'm talking about <laughs> here. Um, and we wouldn't get much sense out of it. So we opted to go early to avoid disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, you could always have pretended to be Lorraine because we have had several people who have confused the pair of you, haven't we? The difference <laughs> is, of course, that Lorraine is known for being nice. So that would be a confusion. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And despite the fact that you're one week younger than than Lorraine, she is also wearing really well for her age. Got my lipstick on. (laughs) I've made an effort. My hair is washed. <laughs> I can try. Right. All right. I, there you try. Go. I don't think I sound anything like Lorraine. You're making me feel bad now. Anyone outside Scotland? Do you think they think we all sound the same as Scots? I mean, you don't sound. You've got a funny sort of RP voice that you... Do you think I do? Uh, do you think I do? Yeah, I think <laughs> you've probably developed that when you left STV. Yeah, I did go a bit posh, I have to say. We, we could speak to Lorraine about that because, um, yeah. Lorraine has a... held her own and she's kept her accent. I know, I, I went a bit pretentious, I have to admit. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you like Hugmany? I hate it. I don't like it either. This is pressure to be happy. I actually feel like it's, <laughs> it's like this fucking yeah. And the thing is, I used to like it when I was about six. When I lived up in Aviemore, and we'd all go over at the centre and celebrate, way, and then we'd go back to the house and have a drink with mum and dad. And then we'd go round the houses. Okay, 16, 17, left home at seventeen. I think I've hated it since then. Um, the other bad thing about this time of year is people coming to stay. 
And I don't like that. Mind it. Why? Well, that conversation we had the other week, and I think Lorraine is going to agree with me on this. I've actually been waiting to get Lorraine Kelly's adjudication on this one. When you were saying that your sister was coming to stay for one night and you were pissed off because it meant that you would have to change the sheets. All right, because I had another friend coming. Another friend coming the the other night. And I said, don't change the sheets. She's never going to know. Oh, no. Hang on. So. Are you trying to tell me that you've got people coming to stay in the new year and you're not going to change the sheets? Well, no, I don't have people to stay because I, I can't be bothered changing sheets. But if I had somebody coming to stay, if I had my sister yeah. coming to stay on a Thursday and I had a friend coming on a Friday and they were clean on the Thursday for the sister, there's no way I'd be changing them for the Friday. Kate, how can you? Would you want to go into anyone else's sheets that have been I'm, laid on? I was going to say, God, they might have had a lay on them. That's horrible. Do you change your sheets every day? Every week I do. Yeah, but not every day. No, but it's my body that's going to So why into would you it. change them for somebody else? Who's going to know? Oh, my God. I do not want to sleep in somebody. Jesus, they might not have been wearing pyjamas or, and then they've got flaky skin and then they might have had sex. And Oh, my God. Before you know it, you've got crusty feet. What age is your sister? Well, right enough, Aggie might have had sex, but the other two would never have had sex. No, it's not the point. It's the principle. I would not want to go into anyone else's sheets. But then you made your sister bring her own sheets. No, she volunteered. I didn't make her, but I didn't say, no, don't bother. I said, Christine, that would be great. That's a relief. Thank you. I'll take it. But then I said, I've actually put down a bottom sheet. She And she said, no, it's okay. We just went on top of that. And I thought, oh, Christine, it'll be all crushed, though. And then Anne might think that I've not changed them. And she said, no, no, I, I sort of flattened out. So they did put their own sheet on over the one that I had put. And then they're... Oh, I, I think that must be a real Actually, I think that's a thing. Well. I know, that, it is that a is definitely fact. different. But I'm not, you have to change the sheets if I knew. No, no, Lorraine is going to agree with me on this. I just know yeah, she is because she's... Just ask how often you change your own sheets. No. Your own bed No, you, ca- you can't ask that. Oh, I We've can't got ask to move because on. it's a no, sensitive no. area. No, it's not sensitive Are they all at all? limp and grey? Nothing limp and grey in my bed. <laughs> Nothing else in your bed except you. Oh, shut up. I am... Um, I, I can't say two specifics, but I was with people over the last couple of weeks. And um, it's a couple. I don't know them very well, actually. But I've known them for years. You know, people you've known for years, but you don't know very well. You've just got an awareness of them. Yes. And she used to be a lot of fun, actually. Oh, right. Um, and so now they're of this age, 16 a bit. And my God, he never shuts up. He could bore for... Oh, my God. And so she dull. just sits there and Takes she's it. got smaller... And more and more shrunken, and she just sits, and you know that she wants to leap up and, and put tell him a cheese knife through his heart, but she doesn't. She just Puts sits there, it. and you. She stuck. Do you know that thing? In fact, this is another thing. I'm just going on to another thing here. Gardening. I've got a friend who started to garden. <laughs> you know, as people get older, they start to chew their own teeth. <laughs> I thought gardening. You had no teeth in your mouth. No, and, and I've kind of. I've got actually quite a famous friend who started to do it, and I don't know whether to tell her. Well, because can you, she just, can you show me what you do? I mean, she just sits it. when she's in repose. You know, like young people when they're in repose kind of sit there looking as if, mm. you know, they're about to. Whereas she sits and kind of chews her bottom lip a little bit and just gives that sort of gurney look. You know oh what I mean? Oh, my God. As if she's going to have false teeth soon. And I don't know whether to tell her that she's doing like it. Like Gordon Brown? No. No, no. No. You know, no. it's, um, look, I can't remember. It was like, remember the person that was with Benny Hill who used to suck on their bottom teeth? But I know what, I mean, I know what a gurner I mean? is. I know what a gurner is. Anyway, anyway, I digress. This woman, 
sitting there gurning, trying to obviously keep her feelings in. And I looked at her and I thought, leave him. You've probably got 10 years of good life. She was about 63. Do not sit and listen to this for the next 10 years. Do you know, Kate, I almost picked you up wrong when you said leave him. I thought you were going to say leave him, don't say anything. But what you mean is leave him, get out. Get out. Get Absolutely. Out. Boring the arse of her and everyone else. Yes. Yeah. Jesus, why would you put up with that? We cannot be miserable for the next 10 years. Oh my that God, might be no. the last 10 years we've got. Talking about avoiding being miserable, have you seen those adverts for direct cremation? <laughs> no. <laughs> What the fuck? What is that? I'm very excited. Direct Honestly, I'm very excited by these. They're on the television all the time. I don't watch telly. So it's cut out the middleman time, right? Mm-hmm. So when you die, instead of going to, you know, the undertaker and you right. get in the coffin and you either get buried or you go to get cremated and everything goes up in smoke, you just go straight from, you know, you're, you're gone. Deathbed. And then the undercom- undertaker comes and gets you. You go straight to the cremation. The family just get back a wee urn. If they want to have a wee memorial, that's up to them. But there's no need to have a funeral at all. No, I am going to have that. I you don't have- want a funeral? Well, no, I would like them to have a wee memorial because I'd like one of those big, big pictures of myself on an easel that you see on American sitcom. I'd love one of them. Uh, on the day. Looking good. Yes. Maybe about 45. Yeah. I would like it maybe about 45. Um, and I'd like them to say nice things in a nice hotel. But So that, that's not so, direct cremation then, is it? No, 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 it is. It is because you don't have to go by the coffin. The coffin doesn't go, have to go somewhere. It doesn't have to get burnt. Only costs a £1,000. Mm. I've got a, a friend. I've got a friend who's, who's, who's dad signed up. It, and that's what he wanted. Oh, is that right? So as okay. I say, it's important this year not to be miserable. So this is th- what and we're thinking about. So we're thinking ahead to our deathbeds now. Being positive. Being positive. You've, you've, right. I've just saved you £6,000. <laughs> I'm not around. That's fantastic. Do you want the emails of the week? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've actually decided to go for two, given that it is the first um, podcast oh, of the year. getting you. You're pushing the ball yes. right. uh, It's from Jeanette, first of all. Hey, Kay. Dreading turning Jan- 60 in January. Phew. That's all she says, Jeanette. Phew. What's the few? I don't know. She's just really dreading it. Now, oh, you've dear. got to be more positive, Jeanette. Yeah. Hasn't she? God, I could be 70. I know. You here's, could be 60, for God's sake. Here's Heather. It. She yeah. says, being 60 didn't start well for me. I had a 60th birthday party under duress last December. Oh, dear. And as I stepped onto the dance floor, I fell and I broke my arm in three places and I dislocated my wrist. wrist. I had to have two operations and the doctor said he'd seen less damage in a car crash. Can't wait to be 61 and get the year going. Oh, my God. I'm never having a party again. You didn't even want the party in the first place. I know. But see, it's going to be good being 61. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm really really looking forward to it. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm feeling optimistic. It's not like me. So how is this year looking for you? Whether you're approaching the big 6-0 or you're well into the 60s groove, get in touch and tell us. We love your emails. The address is podcast at htb60.com and we'll speak to Lorraine straight after this. Do you know what, Karen? BBC Maestro, it just keeps getting better and better. I know, they just keep adding courses all the time. I'm totally spoiled for choice. They've got that um, Professor Tim Spector now. He has got 20 video lessons about the science of eating well. And I tell you what, after what I've eaten and drunk this Christmas, it is just what I need. Actually, I really fancy that as well. But I'm still enjoying learning all about wine from Jancis Robinson. 
I now know the four things to look for on the label before buying rather than just the picture. It's so much better than a New Year's resolution that you know you are just not going to keep. You find something that you're really interested in and you really enjoy and you learn from the best in the business. You could write an awful by the end of the year. Lee Child has a course on writing popular fiction and he should know. He sold more than 200 million of the Jack Reacher series. Oh, well, let's walk before we can run, shall we? Uh, go to bbcmaestro.com and use the code K, that's K-A-Y-E, to get your 40% off your favourite video course or 40% off a subscription, which gives you access to every single BBC Maestro course. Let the greatest be your teacher with BBC Maestro. I'd agree. Thanks to you. I mean, it was it was lots of different things all scattered all the way through, and mainly because my team, my fantastic team on the show, were desperate to celebrate. I mean, I probably would have not bothered really. I'd just go out for a drink and or you know make some pals or something. But they decided that lots of things would happen. So, um, they sent me to America and I went up on a zero gravity flight because you know I'm a real space geek. Yeah, so yeah. that was brilliant. And then they got me training at NASA. I mean, it was brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. So for me, it was like being a kid because I felt doing that that thing was like being a being an autonomous, you know, being weightless and yeah. throwing, sweeties, throwing sweeties up in the air and trying to catch them. That that was just like being a toddler. That was. I, I loved every single second of it. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I do, I've honestly, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's just a number. It really is for me. But, you know, I wanted to tell you this because I was fuming. Right. I was reading the papers at the weekend and somebody was writing about Madonna. Now, Madonna's only a year older than me, and she's amazing, right? She's Madonna. She can do whatever she likes. Madonna, Cher, and Dolly can do whatever they want. And she started off the article. She was doing a review of Madonna, and she started off by saying, Madonna is old. That's how she started it. And I mean, hang on a minute. Madonna is ageless. And actually, 60, I think 65 Madonna's now isn't old, I don't think. I, I certainly don't feel old. And, you know, she was writing about, <laughs> she was writing about Madonna as if she was like an Egyptian mummy that had just been dug up from the desert sand. It was like, what? And it really made me think of the perceptions that we have about age because it's only when you're in it, you know, probably when I was a kid, I would have thought 60 was like really old because it was back then. But now... I, I just think I'm in my prime and you two are in your prime. Are you not? <laughs> Definitely. Well, Definitely. yeah. It is interesting, that, isn't it? Because, you know, factually they're right, aren't they? You are. No, are no, they? No, you are, but it depends whether or not old is a pejorative term. Mm. And ah, it, okay, that's a great point. You're right there because we do take it like that. Maybe I should have taken it as old means experienced and confident and, you know, attractive and gorgeous and lovely and all that but it kind of doesn't though you know that's the thing it is like a sort of oh gosh she's really old old being decrepit past it all of these sort of really negative things which is not and it's hard to get away from that I mean you can try I mean funnily enough um our guest last week was a woman called Cindy Gallup who's a really unusual well Yes, she is quite an unusual person, she is. isn't she? So she is. um, she's been single all of her life. Uh, she chooses to be single. She chose not to have children. Uh, she dates younger men. Um, and really bright, high-achieving woman, you know, was very successful in advertising in New York, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But on the age thing, she, you know, so much of the time we avoid seeing what our age is. And, I mean, this, this is what started this podcast because I, mm-hmm. for most of my life, would avoid seeing my true no. age. 
I don't and get that though. No, I, I don't get it either. I don't I get know. that because apart from anything else, everybody that you went to school with knows what age you are. It's so there's joke. no point in telling lies. There's no point. I mean, I, I, and mean, I, I made a fool of myself. What I'd can go I the say? other way. I'd go the other <laughs> way and say, no, I'm actually 75. Oh, and people would say, oh my God, you're great for 75. Um, no, I'd, it's never really bothered me that that much. It's never been a thing that, that, is, that has bothered me at all um, because I just think, it doesn't really matter. But then I think I'm just lucky because I think for some women it, it does matter, depending on what job they do. Well, yeah, but that's what health. this woman, Cindy, was saying, is that we should declare our age. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, of course. You know, And, and if we did it more, right. particularly women who were older, and yeah. we declared our age, and so there was no kind of like slipping around it and trying to avoid it, et cetera, then maybe that would take away that pejorative um, Yes edge to it oh she's 62 yeah. oh she's cracking on <laughs> i don't think we are i don't know i don't know whether that's because i do happen to be 64 now i don't know whether it's because of that and then when you're when you're there you know you you think that actually hang on a minute i still and i do genuinely still feel as young and daft and all the rest of it as i ever did i am still waiting to grow up I really am. You know, I mean, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up and I'm still hoping and praying that that might happen one day. And I don't feel, I don't feel this age. But having said that, I know teenagers that are ancient, ancient they are. And I know 90 year olds that are like toddlers. So I think, I don't think you can sort of say you are 60, therefore that's what you are. You must be this. Because we are all so, so very, very different. But I think it's all about being curious you know, it's all about wanting to find out more things, being interested in new music. You might not like it that much, but listen to it. You know, watch something on TikTok or whatever it is. Don't just go, oh, you know, and dismiss it. Actually, have a go. If you don't like it, that's cool. But just have a go anyway. Don't get set in your ways. I think that's a big, big danger. Because you were talking about earlier on, weren't you, about burning and being money and, and all of that. And that's a, that's a really sad thing. I hate to see older people like that. Because nobody wants to be around you then. But, no. you know, old, but old people have got amazing, like old air people have got amazing stories to tell. And, you know, if you're somebody that's that's interested in everything that's going on, you become, you're not just interested, you're interesting, aren't you? And people yeah. want to spend time with you and that's what you want. So, yeah, but the gurney thing, I, I agree with you, Kay, people get very gurney. And it's a shame. It's a real yeah. shame. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be around you when you're a girl. Yeah, exactly. So you're obviously positive about age. Um, Absolutely. Well, better than the alternative, right? I mean, God, exactly. of course. <laughs> How about generally? I mean, you're always perceived as being ever bubbly, ever smiley, ever... Yeah. Um, which I think is quite interesting as a fellow Scot. I don't know how you find it. Funny enough, Bonnie Langford was a guest uh, recently. Oh, no point. And she is, she's great. And she did say the perky... Bonnie Langford label became a little bit wearing sometimes because she yeah. thought it was all she could ever be. Mm. You get a similar thing. And as a fellow Scot, I, I don't know, like when I first went to work in England, because I've got a very dry sense of humour and I can be very dark, I struggled a bit at first because, well, people just thought I was dour and miserable, to be <laughs> honest, and, and I had to kind of change my demeanour. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't very successful at changing it. (laughs) But were you ever conscious of that? Not really, no. But then I think I had a massive advantage when I was a kid because my mum and dad were babies when they had me. They were like 17, 18, just just 18. And it was at the time where, I mean, my friends, like at primary school, their mums and dads felt like they were from a different planet. 
you know, they were kind of like really, my mum and dad were war babies, you know, they were tiny babies then. And they were into things like the Beatles and my mum had a beehive and a miniskirt and she was really trendy. So I think that, you know, looking back, I haven't really thought about this before, but actually when you talk about that, Kate, it's really interesting because I think that really helped me. With the, there was that sort of, you know, the 1960s, anything was possible. We were landing on the moon for the love of God. It, the world was huge and you could do anything that you put your mind to. Music was amazing. Movies were amazing. Everything was fantastic. And even, you know, even in, in the Gorbals in Glasgow, you still kind of thought, I can do anything I want. And my mum and dad always kind of, you know, encouraged that. So I think that stood me in good stead. And also, you know, at Glaswegian, so like we talked to everybody. So that was that was like the, I had the best preparation for the job that I do now when I was growing up because we just talked to everybody. Did you not have that thing though when you first came to London and you talked to people on the underground or the bus stop and they would get it? Yeah, sort of gently, not all that gently. Actually, they sort of move away from you as if there was they didn't <laughs> want your conversation to be catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? They just don't. Oh, why did they not? Why did they not? Why are they not answering me back? When I'm asking them all sorts of really cheeky and impudent questions that I wish to know the answer to. <laughs> it's just weird. Culture shock beyond culture shock. Do you yeah, think they course. didn't understand us, or they just no, didn't... no? It's just that they they, they still are. I mean, I, I was on the underground the other day with Ruby, my wee, my daughter's wee dog. I was looking after Ruby, and I was talking to Ruby like the whole journey, and people were looking at me as if I was that mad eccentric old lady. But also, I was talking to people because I, I just, I've always, I always do. It's funny you say that. I remember actually when I was working at Scottish Television a million years ago, somebody came up from London to work and came in and they were shocked. Well, yes. not shocked, but they'd been in a supermarket queue. And she said to me, I was standing in the supermarket queue and, and this woman behind me just randomly started talking to me about the weather, you know, so I just turned my back <laughs> on her. And um, and then oh, the woman at the other it. side started speaking to me as well. <laughs> But you have maintained that essence. Yeah. You have never changed. Now you have lived in London or down south longer yeah. than you have lived up here. Lots that of people. London. I know. But I do I went home um every single weekend, you know, when I first came down to TVAM back in the late gosh, the late 80s, goodness me. Um I used to go home to Dundee every weekend and, and Dundee's got a wee teeny tiny airport. Um, so it was dead easy. It was like getting a bus. You know, you go from London City to Dundee and it was fine. It was doable. Um, but obviously, you know, when I had Rosie and, and uh, that, the first 12 years of her life, we stayed down here. And then we went back home. We went back home for her to go to secondary school in Scotland. And again, I did the, the travelling backwards and forwards. So I've always gone home. And I always let people say to me, where are you from? Where is home? That would be Glasgow or Dundee. It depended where I was at the time, but I've always done that. And then people have said you, you've kept your accent, but I can't imagine not keeping my accent. You know, and obviously, you know, my husband's very Scottish. You know, he's from Dundee, very Scottish, um, and the whole family. And and not all of my friends are are, are Scottish. Um, a lot of them are. Um, and I never, although see when I listen to reports that I did when I was a correspondent. And I do sound as if I'm from Orkney. I don't know. I don't know what I'm. Orkney. Well, maybe not Orkney because that's such a beautiful accent. But I, I was. I don't know. I sounded as if I was like Brigadoon or something. It was. I don't know what was going on. I sounded like I was singing. It was a really weird. I don't know whether I felt that I had to put on some sort of you know television voice. You know, obviously now I wouldn't. For goodness' sake, I just with Ron. Um, but yeah, when I first started, a lot of people were because it was dead unusual, Kate. Because nobody really spoke like us. You know, no, now it's great. You've got, you know, you've got Anton Deck and you've got those people from Ireland and Scotland and Wales and all over the place. And that's the way it should be. 
Um, but back then, back in the 80s, it was even people that worked for BBC Scotland didn't sound that Scottish. They sounded posh Edinburgh, I would say, which is a beautiful yeah. accent, but they didn't really sound like me. They really didn't. So that was un- it was unusual. They didn't, and I I really admire you for that because I I did go posh Scottish. I mean, there's no. Did you? I certainly did. I mean, there's 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 recordings of me that I sound posher than the Queen Mother. I mean, it's just. I mean, really. My name's Kay. What's your Oh, worse. So I did feel the pressure to fit in. I I really did. Did you never never feel? No, no, not at all. Because. I think, though, the boss at TBAM at that time was an Australian, very eccentric Australian, um, and he basically just wanted to hire somebody, you know, like he wanted somebody who was covering Wales to sound Welsh and someone who, you know, was, was covering Scotland to sound Scottish. So um, when he when he appointed me as a correspondent in, 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 for TBAM in Scotland, it, I, I was worried. I thought, oh, gosh, I wonder if I will have to change. But he said no. And then when I was a presenter, he didn't. He didn't get it. He didn't have that same because it's not as bad now, but you know that the way the class system is in this country, that as soon as you open your gob, somebody is putting you in a box. You know, whether it's, oh, that's somebody who, they're they're that person. They're from that section of society. And because, and still it persists to this day, actually, that if you don't talk like this, somehow you're more intelligent and your opinion is better than anyone else's, which I, I don't understand. And we, we do talk a lot about you know, all the isms and quite rightly we're doing all sorts of stuff to make sure that, you know, the workplace is more diverse for everyone. But we still don't talk that much about class and it's and, and I worry, I really do genuinely worry, um I don't know if both of you would agree, but that somebody like me now would not get the same opportunities that I did. Because I was just lucky that, you know, the boss of the of TVM or Breakfast Italian at that time was was Australian and didn't hear different accents and didn't hear that class. Because they're not the same in Australia as they are in the UK, so I do worry that you know young young girls or young boys um, like me, and, and maybe are you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, uh, wouldn't get the same opportunity, and that saddens me greatly because it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Do you still see yourself as working class? Do you know, okay, I do, and of course, if you look on the side, and I've got maybe you know I've got maybe house down south, and we do very well, and here we are toddling off to go camping in Zimbabwe. But yes, I do. But actually, I don't really know what working class is anymore. Um, I really don't. But I do consider myself to be very proud of it. And I sort of, yeah, I, I do still consider myself to be. And I still have that that sort of little working class cringe, you know, that wee voice in your shoulder, that if you get an invitation to say, go and I don't know, meet Prince William for something or other charity thing, and you go, oh God, I can't go. You know, I can't know. Somebody, so as I walk through, somebody's going to pat me, you know, some sort of sort of tap my shoulder and say, nah, can't get in. You're working class. Seriously. Away you go. Away you go. Oh, God. Yeah, I think everybody... I, do, I think that's a very, very difficult thing to to shake off, actually. It's quite a hard thing. It's not imposter syndrome. It's dif- it's different to that. But it is that kind of feeling of, I don't know if I'm, you know, am I really, am I really good enough? Should I really be here? Do I really belong in this kind of area? It's weird. It's silly. And, of course, I know it's silly. You know, I talk to myself about it. Um, and say don't be daft but you know you still have that that kind of feeling which is weird well also because you you, you know you were saying about your mum and dad you grew up believing that you could do anything. oh yeah yeah they were great like that they, they, were, they weren't pushy Kate. they weren't pushy in any way whatsoever the only thing but what they did do was they installed a real love of books and and learning you know that sort of like really self-taught 
working class person of the 50s and 60s, um, you know, Jimmy Reed, you know, people like that, you know, really amazing people who should have gone to university, but obviously couldn't afford it back then. Um, and I hope we never go back to those days because, you know, we have to give everybody equal opportunity when we can. But yeah, they, they, they taught me to read and write before I went to primary school. What an advantage that was. And what a gift to give your child is the, the gift of loving to read. And it doesn't matter what it is you're reading. I, I think fine if you want to read, you know, daft comics or you just want to read stuff online or you want to read really serious heavy books but fine whatever you want to do anything you're going to do is going to enhance your knowledge and enhance your general knowledge so that's good I mean remarkable all the more that they were just 18 I mean God. because without being too cheeky about you were, were they married when you came along because okay. at that time no yes oh no they were married but but you must understand that I was five months premature <laughs> Oh, oh sure. God, how funny. <laughs> My brother was a bit premature yeah. as well, funnily enough. <laughs> well, many children back in the 60s were medical, medical babies. Five, <laughs> six, seven, eight months premature, some of them. Astonishing. <laughs> no, they did. They did. God love them. They got they, they got married and they're still together, you know, after That's all this amazing. Time. 64 years together. And not a crossword. <laughs> but yeah, they're still there, which is great. It's It's, it's great. And, and but but how was that received then for them? When, when... For them? Oh, geez, it happened to just about all, all of my mum's sisters. She, she was from a massive family. My grandmother, who was formidable, my grandmother did say to my mother, you know, you should have this, have this baby, you know, and then she was going to send my mum down south to Cheltenham, where my aunt was living, the, our, our older sister, one of her older sisters, have me and put me up for adoption. And my wee dad, my wee dad just said, he stood up to my granny and he said, no, we're getting married. And that's it. So my wee dad's my hero. Because I don't know what would have happened to me. She never, you know, that, that kind of what if moment. It's it's quite interesting. So when did you decide you wanted to be on the telly? Did you grow up? I didn't. I, no, I didn't. I just, I wanted to be in newspapers. That was my thing. I wanted to be a reporter. And I, I joined my local newspaper um, instead of going to uni, which my mum and dad said was really difficult for them. They never said anything, but I would have been the first of the family to go to uni. And Kate, you know this, we both do. The picture on the mantelpiece with a funny hat and a scroll. Yes. It's all that anybody in a working class home wants to have on their mantelpiece so that when everybody comes in, they can go, ha-ha, look at my child, look what they achieved. <laughs> look what I achieved by my child. So, yeah, I went, I went to my local um, local newspaper and loved it. Then from there I went to the BBC and then Breakfast Telly 40 years ago and somehow or other still here, which is astonishing. Oh. There's been so many changes, so many regime changes, but essentially, the show is the same, isn't it? You're just um, very lucky that people trust you with their stories um, and, and just reflecting what's going on in, in the world. Yeah. And how do you feel about that, that fame that you have? Because, no, 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 see, I knew you were going to do that. No, don't stop doing girl, that. Actually. You did a garden cases. there. Yeah, no, I did do a garden. Own it, that was a, own that it. Was a total, that was a beyond a garden, actually. That was, a, that was, I don't see, see when people go celebrity this, celebrity that, I'm like, I'm not really, I don't feel like that whatsoever. I don't really, I mean, I'm frog march something, you know, sometimes we, we have ITV things and we've got to go to them and it's kind of like a four line whip. So you have to go, um, not even a three line whip, a four line whip and you need to go to those things. But to be honest, one of the joys of my job is getting to see movies before they're out in a wee tiny dingy room. And they show this. They, they show the movie, and that to me is a joy. Going to a premiere, though, um, that that for me is I don't like doing that. It's not something that I enjoy. I don't like the whole red carpet thing. I don't like the. I don't get it. 
I mean, you, for a start, it's a bath. You've got to get ready. If you go and see it in a screening theatre, you can sit in your gym jams, basically. Why are you so uncomfortable with it? It's a Scottish thing as well, isn't don't, it? It probably is. No, you're right. It probably is that. It's kind of like, oh, you know, don't get too big for your boots. Don't be drawing attention to yourself and shut up. I know your father. It's true. It's true. And obviously, I've got a get-out clause, which is great. I say, oh, I would love to come out, but of course, I've got to do my homework and I've got to be up early in the morning. So that gets me out of doing a lot of things that I don't want to go to, which is, which is lovely. Do you think it's also, though, you know, if, if you obviously you're very proud of your family because oh. you, know, you, you had such a, a, a loving, wonderful um, childhood. And everything that they've achieved and you take pride in and still associating yourself with being working class. Do you think that's somehow, oh, sorry, that's somehow where the discomfort comes from about maybe, this celebrity maybe. thing? Yeah, I just, I find it weird. And I think the word celebrity has got quite a lot of negative connotations now. Um, you know, like, I mean, and, and calling somebody a star of something or other. Um, I mean, a star to me is somebody like George Clooney or Meryl Streep or Bette Davis, going back to that whole sort of era. It's not somebody on a reality show. God love them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. But I don't think, we should, you know, I think it's we've got ourselves, our, our priorities all back to the front when, when that happens. You know, because for, for me, when people say to me, who are your heroes? It's really like Ernest Shackleton and, and Carol Sagan, you know, and people, you know, not not to be silly about it, but it's probably like that, you know, or, or if you're talking about media, Oprah Winfrey, who does so much more than just be on the telly, you know, she she uses her money and her fame for amazing things. So it's when people do other other stuff that's much more admirable, then, you know, that's that's good. But just sort of tit arsing around on the telly, it's not really <laughs> special, is it? But can you not take... Pride in what you've achieved? Oh no, no. Well, I do with, with great reluctance. I, I that sort face of do. is coming on again. Kind of, but it's not. You know, nobody gets to where they are, especially in this crazy world, without a great team round about them. And I'm only as good as my team, and they are fantastic. I'm very, very lucky. So, where are you happiest, and where are you most comfortable? Where am I happiest? Do you know what? I think Orkney. I love Orkney. As soon as I land, I can actually feel the stress oozing out of my body as I breathe in the air. Um, and I, I love it up there. I really do. Um, I try to go as often as I can. Don't get there as often as I would like. But it's, I'm very, I've been going since the 80s. Uh, Rosie took her first steps on the island of Chappensee when she'd actually meet Pink Willie Jumper on and I forget it and she waddling around. It was great. Um, and we've had such great times and I've been going since the 80s and I still haven't seen it all. There's still islands that I've not been to, places that I've not done, uh, places that I want to revisit again and it's just magical. I love it. And later on this year I have, oh, oh listen, this is scary. I'm frightened. But I wrote a wee book. I wrote my first novel. And... Don't say a wee book. You've written a novel. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. I know I keep getting any trouble with publishers. I stop saying a wee bit. Anyway, hello. Um, I've, I've written my first novel and it's set in Orkney and it's um, it was a joy to do. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Really, really, really hard. Um, just getting the time for a start. And and like most first-time novelists, I over overwrote. I just, the words, you know, I overwrote far too much and then had to sort of self-aid it. Um, but it was it was an amazing, um, amazing thing to do and... Uh, yeah, I just hope people like it. I hope people in Orkney like it. That's that's the main thing. But they well, might not let to, me back in. They might not let me back in. I have to tell you, just before we started, I was saying to Karen, now, the name of Lorraine's first novel is The Island Swimmer. And yes. she said, The Island Swimmer? 
<laughs> no, a swinger. It's a swimmer. A swimmer. <laughs> well, that might be the next one. We might, we, might, we might do the next one. No, there's no sex in it, girls. There's no, no sex in it. Because people don't, people don't write sex properly. I don't think, I, I don't know anybody that really writes it well. And we all know well, what happens. You don't think. <laughs> Nobody writes sex. But no, they, they don't. So there's no, but we all know what happens and what goes on. And then I thought my mother's going to read it and I can't put naughty things in it. So it's, it's a naughty free zone. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hopefully a, a good story that people will want to people want to read. So, is that a good story? no, no, there's no murders. There's 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 a there's a terrible terrible thing that happens, um, and there's a big twist at the end, and there's that thing of somebody has to come back home. They have to go away for a reason and then come back home. So it kind of time jumps as well. Um, but I'm I'm working on the second one. I didn't want to say bye bye to these characters because I loved them so much. Some of them I didn't. Some of them really, really, really annoyed me. But the ones that I really like, um, I'm I'm writing about them again just now. So, yeah. Were your annoying characters based on anyone? Obviously, of course. <laughs> so are they, they anagrams they of people they will that know? Have... They will know who they are. I'm sure they will. Oh, my God. Will. Do you know they probably won't because they're so um, up themselves. They're they're probably... <laughs> <laughs> I'll oh. tell you after. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I hope it's not a success because you're not going to be able to cope with it because it's good. Well, it's not really a success. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I've it was just a bit. I know. I've got to stop. Wait, you're the same. You're not even the same. Just no, it's nothing like you. <laughs> 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 How much of an influence has your mum and dad been on you? That I was really interested when you said there about you jokingly, all right. I'm not going to write in the article because my mum. I mean, my yeah. my mum and dad sadly have passed away, but I had a similarly very close relationship. Yeah. Um, and right until the end, I would have monitored my behaviour totally because oh, absolutely. of what would have sat comfortably with them. And yeah. then when they go, it's a really strange thing actually because you don't have that anymore. That's right. It's like this little policeman on your shoulders, isn't it? And like, you know, my age, 64, still having my mum and dad. Thank goodness they were so young when they got married because they're still they're still here, which is great. You know, and they're they're doing all right. They're doing fine and um, toddling along. And, you know, I got to see them as, as often as I can. But, yeah, they they are they are kind of like you do temper your behaviour, I think. Sometimes I'm intrigued. What do you love about this world that you're in? Because you know, the nicest possible way, you sound like an alien within it. <laughs> I kind of have always been a wee bit of an outsider. I think that's quite good, though. I think that's quite healthy. I just love that every day is different, um, that you never quite know what's going to happen. I like thinking on my feet. Love live telly because you know it starts at nine o'clock, finishes at ten, and then of course you go on to work on the next day's show and you work away and do other other stuff and I, I love live television and live radio for, for that sense and just because I think I'm nosy I mean I like to say curious but I think it is probably nosiness and I just I I love it I mean look I, I'm, I'm not daft I know things will stop eventually and I'm amazed I've been doing it for 40 years but I never take it for granted and then I always think well I can go do something else it'll be fine it might not be as fun as what I'm doing now but I can still do other stuff and it has been the best time um, and it has been sometimes pretty difficult, but it's been, it's never been dull. <laughs> it's never been dull, that's for sure. My New Year resolution is always the same. It's always um, have some more time with the people you love and um, be less hard on yourself and uh, treat yourself as well. Treat yourself a little bit better. I think we all should do that, especially as we get over 60. We should. Yeah. We've earned well. it. 
Yeah, well, you are hard on yourself, and I mean, yeah, you oh, should baby. start taking that. <laughs> advice. Have you? I mean, having said that, have you had any knocks? And you, I've not. Yeah, have oh, you had yeah, knocks in your life? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, when I was away, um, just about a couple of weeks after I had Rosie, I was told not to come back to work because they had got someone else and um, and because it was a freelancer which I always have been a freelancer and um, that that was hard you know because I just had this little baby and Steve had just come down from from Scotland where he'd a very successful career as a, a freelance cameraman and he was kind of rebuilding his career so it was quite a tough time um, and that was difficult and again that sort of that sort of knockback and that coming out of the blue like that it's a long time ago I mean it's 29 years ago now that you don't forget that so that's why I never, ever take it for granted. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, listen, we won't take any more of your time. It's lovely to talk to you both. We've got great. just one yeah. little thing before you sure. go. Yeah, don't Absolutely. go just yet. I've All right, got then. Uh, big six old bingo, Lorraine. So I'd like right, to go, ask go, go. Two, two questions. So I want two numbers, please, between one and 60. Okay, uh, 55. 55, 55. Yeah. Oh, ever had a one-night stand? No, I've never had a one-night stand. I mean, maybe like not the full way. Maybe a one-night snog when I was like a teenager, but we've never actually done the dirty deed. Right. Give us another number, Lorraine. Uh, 21. 21. Oh, 21. What keeps you awake at night? Oh, my goodness, so many things. Um, Yeah, I'm not great at sleeping. Normally, you know, maybe thinking about what we're doing the next day on the show, things like that would be rushing through my head. Um, But... Yeah, it would be it would be that it wouldn't be great big giant things because I you know I never sort of think about the meaning of the meaning of life and all that malarkey and um, I don't give that much that much uh, thought to that sort of thing. But yeah, it'd probably be something like that. It'd probably be be wondering about something or or sometimes I I do have a notepad by my bed, so if I think of a question or an idea for something, I'll, I'll write that down. Do you ever switch off? Um, when. Yeah, the only time I really do switch off is like Steve, Steve and I go um, camping in Africa and we just have a truck and we sleep on top of the truck and we just drive about wherever we want. And uh, I think that's when I really relax, that and when I'm in Orkney. So Zimbabwe and Orkney. <laughs> is that because most of your life you're in a goldfish bowl? Kind of a wee bit. And I do I do love, um, I do just love getting and, you know, just driving to wherever you want to go. And also, there's no, you don't have to put makeup on, you can leave your hair unwashed, you don't need to change your pants. You can just do what, you know, it's, it really is pretty basic because it is, you know, it, it's totally basic. Um, and, and I actually really love that. I love that. I love just sort of no, yeah, no kind of frills, you know, just back to basics. I like that. So we had a bit of a technical glitch at the end there with Lorraine, but fear not, I did manage to catch up with her later and ask her, the vital question, the sheets question. Would she change them for another guest, even if they'd only been slept in once? And she was. I'm delighted to say Team K, except if her mum was coming to stay. Next week on How To Be 60, we are joined by Scott Mitchell, widower of Barbara Windsor, and who nursed her through her final years with Alzheimer's. <laughs>